Happy Resurrection Day. He has risen. Amen? He is alive. Say it with me. He's alive. We celebrate that today. That, this is the most important day on the Christian calendar because Jesus is alive. We found him on Friday. If you were here on Good Friday or if you weren't here, many of you know the story that Jesus died on a cross for six hours and was carried to a tomb. And on Sunday, early in the morning, Jesus raised to life. And as a result of that, we can be raised from our despair. We can be raised from our depression. We can be raised past past addictions. We can blossom despite a failed marriage. We can continue to, to love and to feel God's love despite anything that's going on in our life because Jesus is alive. Amen? And so this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about is the fact that he left so we could leave. If you don't know the story, as I just mentioned a minute ago, it was early in the morning that day. In fact, the Sabbath day, which at that time was a Saturday, had just ended around midnight. And the women who went to the tomb, they were the first ones to see the angel and hear the angel say, he's alive. And they began to go out after the Sabbath day and purchase burial spices. And they began to walk to the tomb where Jesus was was laying and they began to worry. Ladies, do you ever worry? Some of you worry. Guys, do you worry? Raise your hand if you're a worrier. We have any worriers in here? A few of us are. Now, those who are lying about worrying, you really are a worrier, but you don't want to raise your hand. Raise your hand. And these ladies, they were kind of worrying. They were like, well, who's going who's gonna to roll the stone back for us? The guards aren't going to help us do that. How are we going to get this stone rolled back so we can go in and we can put these spices, these burial spices on Jesus? And one of them said, I don't know, girl. I don't know what's going to happen when we get there. And so they're having this conversation. And, and, you know, we didn't come all the way here. They better be taking care of him. They better be taking care of him. And so they finally get to where he's at. But what's crazy is the stone that they were worrying about moving, it's already been moved. And there was this angel, these angels that were overhead, and the Bible tells us that their face was like lightning. It was illuminated. And, and their clothes, they were, there was white as snow. And this angel tells these ladies, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And of course, they're in astonishment and, and they can't believe it. And they say, come, see where he's, he's laid. He's not there anymore. He's risen from the dead, just as he has said. And they go in and they, they look and they see that he's not there. And the, and, the, and the angel says, now go tell the disciples, including Peter, that he's risen from the dead. And they begin to run and they tell the disciples and Peter and John, they're the first ones. They run to the tomb and John beats Peter there. But Peter goes in and he sees that this Messiah is risen. He's not there. And John goes in and they begin to spread this word about the fact that Jesus is no longer there. And Jesus appears to these disciples over 40 days and, and proving to people like Thomas who doubted that Jesus is alive. 
I was thinking about that story, obviously, today, and many of us are, because this story is not just a story. It actually happened. It happened inside a tomb. And we celebrate this, and we, we're grateful for this. Every year, churches all over the world gather together. It's the most attended Sunday in any church in any part of the globe. And it's the day where we all gather and we celebrate and we remember that it's not about the Easter eggs and it's not about the pastel colors and it's not about just getting together with family. It's remembering and celebrating that Jesus is alive and because he's alive, we can be alive. And that's good news because it's not just Jesus that was inside a physical tomb. You see, we're all born inside a spiritual tomb. We're born with shortcomings. Not just the shortcomings that you know about other people. The shortcomings that other people know about you. We all have them. And they create this tomb. It's not just a tomb, though, of, of sin. While it's, it is that. I mean, that's the reason that Jesus came, was to, to be the ultimate sacrifice and forgiveness for our sins. And when Jesus was raised to life... He raised us from having to live and pay the penalty for our sin, especially when we ask Him into our heart. But it was more than just a, a, a tomb of, of sin. It, it was a tomb of just darkness and, and alone and, and depression. Have you ever thought about if you were inside of a tomb? I mean, emotionally and spiritually, a lot of us are there at times. Some of us may be even there now, and if we haven't been there, we're going to be there. But think about what's inside a tomb. If you were inside that tomb on Friday and Saturday with Jesus, no one is there. Darkness is everywhere. And you can't go anywhere. Inside a tomb. Have you ever felt like you're inside a tomb? Like you can't breathe. Some of you have lost someone that you care about. Some of you have seen somebody else battle an addiction or you battle an addiction. Some of you have heard the words, I want a divorce. Some of you have said the words, I want a divorce. Some of you have had to deal with physical affliction over and over and over. And just about the time you start to get better, something else goes wrong. And it, you may not think of it this way, but today it feels like a tomb. And no one is there. You're there alone. And darkness is everywhere. You can't see your way out of it. And you feel trapped. You can't go anywhere. No one is there. Darkness is everywhere. And you can't go anywhere. This last week, my oldest son, Noah, was jumping on the trampoline. And I won't bore you with the long story, but he jumped off the trampoline to go grab something. And he slipped and he broke his fibula and... We're praying it because he's got a growth plate that we're, he's got to heal right or we'll have some other things we've got to deal with. And we, the doctors have, you know, initially said four to six weeks and now they're saying 12 weeks and it may not be that long. It might, we don't know. But for a 12-year-old boy who loves to play baseball and loves to be active, who doesn't like sitting around, let me tell you, if you were to ask him, what's your tomb? He would say, my foot, this cast. And I'm sitting there right next to him. 
And no matter what I do and no matter what I say, he feels alone. Because I can get up and walk in the kitchen and he can't. And no matter what I say, that this is just a two-month thing, this is just a three-month thing, it's going to be better. I mean, because I know that. We know that cognitively. But in his mind, or if you've struggled with depression, or you've ever had suicidal thoughts, or you've ever had someone leave you, you've had this point in your mind where everybody's telling you the right stuff, and you're saying the right stuff, but you can't see past it, or they can't see past it. It's like darkness is everywhere. Have you ever been there? Some of you, 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 you're here, but you're actually there. It's called the tomb. And even though people say, well, would you like something to eat? Would you, let's just go to a movie. Let's get out of the house. Let's leave. No matter where you go. No matter who's with you. No matter what people tell you to see. You feel like you can't go anywhere. You're trapped. Jesus left the tomb. He left the physical tomb. So we didn't have to stay stuck. He left. So there was something beside darkness that we could see. He left so that we would never have to go alone. You see, Jesus left so we could leave. Jesus left the physical tomb so we could leave the spiritual tomb. He left so we could leave. He left so we can leave. Say it with me. He left so we. If anybody can relate to this story that I'm talking about, you know, if you were inside of a tomb, you'd feel alone and you'd see darkness and you'd feel like you're trapped because you are. Peter could understand that. Have you ever done something before that you wish you could go back in time and say, if I had it to do over again, I would push that button and I would never go down that road. And if I asked for raised hands in here, if you didn't have your hand in the air, you're probably lying. Because we all, at times, wish that we could go back in time. And sometimes when we do things, they have greater consequences than other things. The other day, Luke called Noah stupid head. I said, what'd you say? He'd a stupid head. I tried not to laugh and I said, you don't call him that, okay? Did you hear that from your mother? (laughs) He shouldn't call his brother that. But we can all laugh and we can all say it needs to be addressed, but it's not, it's not a life changing thing. But there are some things that, you, that you've done or that have been done to you that it's not just calling somebody a stupid head. Something happened. And we feel stuck. And Peter, he did something that he feels like he's going to have to carry the rest of his life. Peter was tight with Jesus. 
He had spent three years following him around and he was loyal to him. In fact, we see just, just two or three days earlier, they come to arrest Jesus and Judas, who's a traitor, who's supposed to be one of Jesus' followers, kisses Jesus on the cheek and that's the sign and the symbol and that's the code to let the let them know this is Jesus and they arrest him and Peter while his you know he didn't do the right thing his heart was in the right place and he takes off out his sword and he tries to cut the guy's head off in defense of Jesus and he misses and he cuts the guy's ear off and Jesus says no 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 those who live by the sword die by the sword and he heals the guy's ear And man, if you were ever going to walk in a back alley and you were going to say, pick which one of these guys is going to be with you if things go the wrong direction and you got to throw down, pick one of these guys that's going to be with you. Okay, obviously Judas wasn't. But you tell me, Jesus, out of any guy in here that's going to have your back if things go the wrong way, who's it going to be? And Jesus would have said, Peter. And the moment of truth comes and Jesus predicts that actually Peter's going to be the one. We think Jesus would say Peter would be the one that would have his back, but Jesus says he's the one that's going to betray me, and it, and it crushes Peter. He says, Lord, I'll never deny you. And when Jesus is taken away, some people recognize him, and they say, hey, aren't you the one? And Peter says, no, I don't know the man, and he's... Two or three people ask him and he denies knowing him three times and the rooster crows and Jesus' words flash before Peter's brain and it's at that moment that Peter enters the tomb. Not the literal tomb, but the figurative tomb. Does that make sense? What have I done? And you fast forward in this story because earlier... When I was telling you this story, the angel says to the girls, the women there. The angel says to them, now go tell his disciples, including who? Now go tell the disciples, including who? Now go and tell the disciples, but don't include Peter. Peter's a backstabber. Judas, I saw him coming a mile away, but Peter was supposed to have my back. He left so we could leave, including the Peter. The Peter. Of the world. We are Peter. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. Why does he include Peter in that story? He was telling, the angel is is telling Mary, who ends up telling the disciples and Peter too, that you can leave. You can leave your tomb. It's like if somebody is having a big party at their house, you know, there's a birthday or there's something, and you did something in the family, or, or somebody else did something, including you. We don't have to hang out 
in the tomb anymore. That's what Sunday is all about. That's what Easter Sunday is all about. We don't have to hang out in the tomb anymore. Say it with me. We don't have to hang out in the tomb. He left so we can leave. And he left so we can live. It's one thing to just leave the tomb, but it's another thing. Well, now what am I going to do with my life? You know, I've spent my whole life feeling guilty for what I did or feeling guilty for what they did or feeling guilty for what we did. It's all I know. I don't even know how to have a conversation with anybody other than to talk about what I did or talk about what they did or talk about what we did. I don't even know what that would look like to live separate from my tomb. Because every time I try to live separate from my tomb, everybody reminds me, oh, you're out of the tomb. You need to get back in there. Jesus, not only does he say we don't have to get back in the tomb, but he says that the thief or the drugs or the pornography or the abuse that happened to you or the abuse that you did to someone else or the divorce or the struggle or the cancer or whatever it is or the cast in my son's case or whatever it might be that you would say it's your tomb. It comes to steal and kill and destroy. But listen, I have come that they may have life and not just exist. Let's read it. And have it. So if I can leave the tomb, do I need to get a big T around my neck? I mean, I'm out, but it's kind of like when you go, you know, you get out of jail and you got to wear one of those things on your ankle, you know, so people know where you're at. Hi, my name's Kyle. This is my sin. This is my struggle. I'm out, but I just want everybody to know it. And if I don't tell you, my friend here will tell you. Actually, not my friend. He's my brother. But anyway... Jesus says, I haven't come that you would just have life, that you would have abundant life. Another version says, a full life. You see, we don't have to just survive. We can thrive because Jesus is alive. That's worth celebrating today. Let's read it. We can thrive because He's alive. Peter, you can leave the tomb. You denied me. Thomas, Your tomb is doubt. Come see my hands. Come see the nail-scarred hands. Mary, you remember your tomb of demons and demonic possession, and I freed you from that? That was your tomb. And Jesus has one final thing for us today, and he had one final thing for Peter. Peter runs and he sees that the tomb is empty and he begins to appear to them over, Jesus begins to appear to them over several days, 40 days, and they're out fishing one day out in a boat and they see this, this, there's a beach there. 
And there's a fire going on the beach and there's a man standing over there. And John, who was the disciple that Jesus loved, he said, that looks like the Lord. That's the Lord. And Peter's like, it's the Lord. And he gets, you know, gets his clothes and he jumps out of the boat and he starts running to the beach and it's Jesus. And they have this big breakfast together. They caught like 153 fish, the Bible says, and they eat. And after breakfast, Jesus and Peter get off, get off alone. Have you ever had that talk with somebody? You need to clear the air, like you're ready to forgive or they're ready to forgive, but you got to, you kind of, we need to talk about this. We need to talk And Jesus asks Peter something. This is life-changing for Peter. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know that I do, Lord. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. You kind of denied me three... Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, I do. Feed my sheep. He asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Or, yeah, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I do. Feed my sheep. Other versions say, feed my lambs. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times? Does Jesus ask Peter? Oh yeah, three. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then feed my sheep. He left so Peter could leave. He left so Peter could live. He left so Peter could lead. He left so Peter could lead others to leave. You see, it's not just the addiction or the failed marriage or both or the financial problems that you're going through or the marital problems that you're going through or the struggles that you're dealing with. It's not just enough for you to leave those things. It's not just to wrap your brain around the fact that that you can live. It's to wrap your brain around the fact that not only can you leave, not only can you live, but he's given you a purpose. He left so we can lead. When we see Jesus reinstate Peter, what we see here is that our life has a divine purpose. Say it with me. Our life has a divine purpose. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's been done to you. It doesn't matter how much you don't know or do know about the Lord. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who your parents are or who your parents weren't. It doesn't matter. Your life, before you were born, Jesus thought of you. And he breathed life into your life. And he has a divine purpose for you and for me. And it's not just having children. It's not just staying out of jail. It's not just doing sports. It's not just being talented. It's not just doing the things that everybody else does. He has a divine purpose, not just a purpose, a divine purpose for your life. And it's to lead others to leave their tomb. Noah had a cast on, has a cast on. It'll get off, hopefully, in June. 
I had a cast on for two years on and off. I have leg Perthes disease. So for two years, I had these casts on my legs with bars between my feet. They'd cut them off every six weeks to let them breathe for a little bit, and then they'd go back on. And Noah's over there in the chair, and he's asking, why? Why is this happening? And, 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 you know, as adults, it's a bump in the road. We don't really think about it. You're thinking, Kyle, you're romanticizing this. You're over-dramatizing this. But let me tell you, if you step inside a 12-year-old boy's head who likes to play sports, who likes to be active, who wants to do things, and you shut him down and say, you can't, that, that's where he's at. And if for no other reason, maybe... I went through what I went through so that I could be there when he's going through what he's going through. Now, I could get bitter about what happened to me. And when the, when the time comes and somebody else is in a hurting boat, I can say, yeah, you're in trouble, man. That sucks. Or I can say, you know what, for whatever reason, I don't understand it. But in the midst of that, there's going to be a day where it's not going to be like that anymore. And I would tell us today, not just in some story like that, but in our lives. He left so you could leave. He left so you could live. And he left so you could lead. But there's roadblocks, right? It's like trying to get a plane off a runway when there's stuff blocking that runway. And the plane can't get in the air until the, ru- until the runway's clear so you can get up in the air. And one of those roadblocks is fear. You've heard, some of you heard me tell this story before, but I was talking to a, a lady one time who's been abused, I mean, by her, by her dad and by her uncles and by her husband and You've been physically hit, sexually abused, mentally abused. I mean, just in every way that you could be violated and abused, she would say yes. She had come to know the Lord, and I was talking to her. I was trying to paint this picture of not just leaving, not just living, but having divine purpose and leading. And, and I remember asking her, I said, you know what? What do you can you even picture a life where you have somebody who, who would love you and would cherish you and wouldn't hit you and wouldn't say mean things to you? And when you go into the kitchen, that you didn't have to worry about the dishes because he helped you with them. And he took the trash out and, and you weren't always the bad guy. I mean, sometimes you were because that's how it goes. But sometimes he was the bad guy. She had this partner. Have you ever had somebody talking to you in Chinese? They're talking to you, like Bill Cosby and the Cosby Show, and I'm just listening for my name. And they're saying these things, and they're talking to you, but none of it makes sense. Yo quiero Taco Bell. I mean, none of it makes sense. And she had that look on her face, like I was talking to her in another language. She was respectful. She waited till I was done, and she looked at me, and she said, I don't even know what I would do with that. The tomb is all I know. Some people know what the tomb looked like because 
Maybe they had, their dad treated them good and now their husband doesn't, so they at least know what it's like to live outside the tomb. But let me tell you something. I was born in the tomb. I'm a tomb dweller. That's all I know. And the gates open, the doors open to the tomb, the stones rolled away, and I'm sitting there and I'm seeing light out there and Jesus is out there going like this and everybody's out there going like this and everybody's saying, not only can you leave, but you don't have to have that T around your neck. You can leave. But for some ever re- some reason, there's this fear inside of us that says, stay here. It's comfortable. It's what you know. It's what you deserve. I got to tell you today, fear is a liar. Fall in love is all I feel. 
Let your fire fall and cast out all my peace Let your fire fall, your love is all I feel Cause fear is a liar He will take your breath, stop you in your steps Cause fear is a liar he will rob your rest, steal your happiness, so cast your fear in the fire, because fear, he is a liar, because fear, he is a liar. We see in this story that Jesus has told Peter that he can leave. And he's told Peter that he can live. And he's called Peter and reminded Peter and he reminds all of us that, that we were made for this divine purpose of leading others to lead. Why? Why would Jesus suffer persecution? Why would he allow his sides to be pierced and nails to be driven through his hands? And, you know, the hands I can't even, re- can't even imagine, but I have really sensitive feet. I can't even walk on rocks without shoes. Some of you can, I can't. But having nails, railroad ties through your feet... And then on top of that, you know, it's kind of like, I remember when we had Noah, you know, Whitney was scared. That was the first child that, that we had and her mom's at the hospital with her and she's going through all this pain, right? This physical pain and just this not knowing what this is going to be like. And her mom is there and she's, you know, there for her. So at least, you know, Jesus is going through this pain with his hands and his feet. You would think at least he would have his heavenly father with him, giving him peace and giving him presence. But then we see Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Lord turned his back on his son and literally took his presence away from him and left him there alone in darkness, trapped on this cross. You asked me to do this, and now you're not even here. And later, he says, it is finished. And they lay him in a tomb. Three days later, he's not here. He's not here. He's risen. He left so we could leave. He left so we could live. He left so we could lead. Why? Because He loves. For God so loved the world. 
for the molester, for the abuser, for the gay, for the straight, for the dark, for the white, for the homeless, for the rich. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. He so loved the world that He turned His back on His Son. I got to tell you, I love y'all, but I wouldn't give up my child for any of you. He gave up His Son, His one and only Son, Scripture says, for you and for me. Because He loves Let's read it. He left because he loves. He left because he loves. Let's stand together this morning. I asked Jeff, I called him a week or two ago, and I said, hey, do you think you can paint this picture? And he said, yeah. And in this photo, I said, I want it to look like Jesus running out of the grave, but I also want it to kind of look like like we're running out of the grave. You know, like this dual thing. Can you do that? He's like, uh, yeah, 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 I can do that. <laughs> Check this thing out. I know you're not done. You're a perfectionist, but can I take that? It's done. Help me grab the other end of this. He left so we could leave. Jesus left. You see Jesus leaving in that picture? You know who else is in that picture? You and me. He left so we could leave. Say it with me. He left so we could leave. This morning, maybe there's some of you. You've been in that tomb a long time. Mom's put you in the tomb. Your son's put you in the tomb. Your boyfriend's put you in the tomb. Maybe all of them put you in the tomb. You put yourself in the tomb. And Jesus says, I unlock the door, but you have to decide whether or not you want to come out. The door's open. You're not used to being able to... You're a tomb dweller. That's where you live, right? But you can come out. And you can live. And you can share what it's like to live in a tomb. And you can begin to share with people there's another way to live. If that's you this morning, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus did what He said He was going to do, that He died on the cross and that He raised from life and we ask Him into our hearts and we tell Him to forgive us our sins, we can leave. Dear Lord Jesus, if you'd like to receive Christ today or rededicate your life, you can say this with me. Let's just all say it out loud, but let's mean it in our hearts. And maybe there's some in here that you're meaning it for the first time. Let's say it together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins. And invite you to come into my heart and life. 
I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior in your name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to do anything with this information. I'm not going to embarrass you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, would you just slip your hand up real quick? Amen. Lord, you see those hands. Father, we thank you for who you are. We pray, Lord, that you would just come into our hearts. Help us to help us to leave the tomb. Father, today we celebrate those that have asked you into their heart. And Lord, when the days get hard and the days get dark and we feel alone and we feel trapped, may you remind us we don't have to go back to the tomb. We've been set free. We thank you and we give you praise and glory for who you are. In Jesus' name, all the people said, amen. Before we leave, if you don't have a church home, we encourage you to consider coming back next week and making it a habit to come and be a part of our church. Next week, we're going to start a new series on habits, developing new habits. And that's what this is today. If you ask Jesus in your heart, is a new habit. So real quick, in 60 seconds or less, we're going to show you what our new series is about next week. They're leading us somewhere. (laughs) That's next week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Happy Resurrection Sunday.